This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not as uh, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Better Vibes Edition. This is Andrew Burns, joined by Kun Shaw. How are you doing? Well, I didn't watch the couple of past games, so I've had a busy weekend, but it's been good. So I think overall good. I don't know if it's great that I haven't watched them, but I have been complaining about watching them recently. So I guess, I guess that's what I deserve. Yeah, you took a break at the wrong time because the Yankees actually played pretty well in the past week, oh, which is a nice oh, departure from what they were showing. <laughs> or do I get credit for it? Yeah, maybe they were like, oh, good, that guy's not watching anymore. Now we can really start to play. I will never watch the Yankees again this season. World Series guaranteed. I will also continue to weekly podcast about that. <laughs> That'll be fun. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I, uh, I don't know. I, I read an article about them in the past week, so I think I know all there is to know. Yeah, exactly. Oh, that should, that should, that should cover it. Just it, Everything's just in the box, though, right? Yeah, a big fan of Eric Cole. He's great. <laughs> Yeah, but, so the Yankees swept the Blue Jays in Buffalo, which is a nice departure from what happened last season, everything that went on up there. They came from behind to take care of business against the Blue Jays in each game, and then they lost the opening game of their homestand against the Oakland A's, but then they won the last two games to take the series. So they're on a 5-1 and one stretch in the last week. Considering that the A's were leading the American League West and uh, at that point had the best record in the American League when they were playing against the Yankees, that's a pretty good showing yeah i mean i know last week you especially were very pessimistic about them playing in buffalo and i obviously was very optimistic about it um so i don't know what you were concerned about yeah silly me (laughs) no yeah it was definitely very surprising but very good to see but honestly was not expecting a sweep of all things uh i was barely even expecting like oh winning one game (laughs) 
but you know they, they had a good showing they had they had a good run the offense kind of you know showed up uh, multiple times this week which was always fun to see you know runs apparently the secret to the success is hitting home runs yes. you know you do that that's and it, also it's, it's, not having to uh, play against Aaron Nola when he's at the top of his game that also helped right 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 uh, Cy Young candidate Aaron Nola at least this one when he faces the Yankees <laughs> Yeah, and, and it, I did like on the, the Sunday game, too, when it looked like they were sort of heading toward a, a similar outing because Sean Manaya was dominating them pretty handily, and he struck out 11 batters in that outing, I believe. And they still managed to put together a 2-1 to win anyway because they scratched out some runs and they held on to the lead. And apparently it's because the Yankees' new secret weapon is the triple play. <laughs> yes, I'm assuming like the triple play is to the 2021 Yankees. What catcher's interference was to Jacoby Ellsbury? Yeah, apparently, I mean, <laughs> some truly absurd stuff. The uh, secret base Twitter account, the SB Nation runs. They just did a Dorktown graphic with the number of triple plays this season, and it's Yankees three, the rest of Major League Baseball two. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's some very normal stuff that's going on. Hey, I'll take it, I guess. <laughs> yeah, and well, and also the, the one that they turned earlier in the week against the Blue Jays, that was just a really freaky play that was sparked by some, uh, let's face it, 2021 Yankees-esque base running from the Blue Jays. Did you yeah. see this clip? I, I did, actually. It was like, what the hell are you guys doing? I, I literally forgot which team was playing there because it seemed like something we'd see from the Yankees on the base pads, at least this year. <laughs> yeah, but instead of just Marcus Simeon and Bo Bichette apparently forgetting how to baseball, which I guess happens sometimes, but they were basically both right around third base on a grounder. And after the, after the Yankees got the out at first, they managed to get both of them out at third. So that was nice little play and some good defense, especially by Gio Urshela. Yeah, Gio Urshela, man. Like outside of like that specific thing, there, there's been so many like plays where he's just like I, where he's just been like so good, especially defensively. Like, did you think was it? I think it was this past week where he like ran like all the way to the basically the stands, like launched the ball to first base, got the out. I forgot who's at first, and then you just see like the clip of him just sitting down on like the tarp or whatever. Oh yeah, yeah, that's great. Just <laughs> like, yep, I've done my work, so I'm gonna take a little uh, little nap. <laughs> Right now, you know, you know what, Gio, you you've earned a little take a seat. Go, go ahead, have a sit. Enjoy. But also, but also, please don't take a seat for too long because we need you to hit too because you are good at that as also. <laughs> yes. <laughs> what a story. He has a great field presence of just knowing what's going on, honestly, and that that's something that you take for granted. But his awareness is very high. No, a hundred percent. And like, there's just something about like, you know, his demeanor, like his, the way he carries himself and all that. I've been thinking about this a lot the last like couple like months or so, like the, during the season, I think he might actually be the coolest Yankee. I don't know exactly what that means. And it's obviously not tangible whatsoever, but I think he's the coolest Yankee. Like he, there's just the way he like carries himself, the way he walks or whatever. I'm like, yeah, you know what, you know what you're about. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like it would have to be like him or possibly Glaber would be in the mix too. Gary has his own brand of cool, but it's like a cool that can sometimes not be as fun when he's slumping. But Gio <laughs> yeah. and, and Glaber can slump too, but I feel like Gio is consistent enough that you never really have to worry about him falling into too deep a funk. And he just, he's got a good vibe. <laughs> right. Like of the three that, and exactly, like those are probably like the three leading candidates for this. And I'm, I'm very hoping people are excited about who's really cool on the Yankees talk from us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> take I it think... from us. The experts are cool. <laughs> we, we know this. 
Here is my barometer for gauging Yankee coolness. <laughs> is this something that Didi would do? Because that's <laughs> Didi would one hundred percent be the right person to ask. But no, yeah, like of the three that we we uh, you mentioned there, I think Gio Rochelle is the only one that you feel like confident about. Like, all right, this is not going to last too long if he's slumping. It's like, all right, yeah, he's a lot of week or so or whatever. But he, you know, he's going to come back. Whereas like Gary, you just don't know if he's falling into like, oh well, there's the the whole season funk. If Glaber is going to just be like rough for like a couple weeks and then like be bad defensively, you don't, you just don't know like what's going to come out of it. But Gio, you feel pretty good about like, all right, yeah, he'll, he'll bust out of this and he'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think I mean, obviously there's something very fluky that happens to make all these triple plays possible that everything has to line up in exactly the race situation. But part of that is because like Gio Urshela has such a good idea of what he's doing at third base to have the presence of mind to not just like immediately throw it to second, step on the bag. Maybe we can get something more from this on this hard ground ball, especially when like a catcher hits it. Yeah. And we've talked a lot about like uh, fundamentals and, you know, all that this season, especially with like, you know, the Yankees boneheaded defense, the Yankees boneheaded base running, the Yankees boneheaded this, Yankees, they've been very boneheaded this season. <laughs> but like you know you can always get the lead runner like the one who's closest to third or closest to home or whatever you want to get him out but first obviously you want to take the short out that's your priority like hey don't risk getting the guy at third out if you're not going to get anybody out just take the safe bet but if you can get at least get the lead runner out that's always good and it seems like Gio Rochelle is at least always good about knowing when that possibility when that's not <laughs> yeah and just the way that game ended on Sunday was such a bizarre feeling because you never think that the game is about to end when there are zero outs and two men on the nine and then all of a sudden a hard ground ball say and it's all over yeah <laughs> like oh they, yeah. Th- they won okay <laughs> in the blink of an eye the game is over like you're probably just like gearing for like oh god this is going to be annoying chapman had no sense of the plate in that right ninth inning he, he walked the first out. two he walked <laughs> the first two batters on like 12 pitches or something like that so yeah I think he threw a grand total of like two strikes that inning. Yeah. Something like that. So he owes Gio a nice steak dinner, at least. A hundred percent. Maybe three of them. Yeah. One for each out. <laughs> yeah, honestly, there, there you go. <laughs> but it was good to see the Yankees actually play well against good teams and not just against a bunch of crap. So, you know, this, the vibes are a little bit better this week. They're not exactly like breathing down the necks of the Rays and Red Sox yet, but they have drawn a little bit closer. As of the time we're recording, they are 4.5 games behind the Red Sox and four games behind the Rays. The Rays and Red Sox are actually about to start a series against each other. And the Rays have called up uh, Wander Franco, their number one prospect, who's probably the number one prospect in baseball. So they're finally putting their chips in on the table with him after manipulating his service time. That'll be something to watch over the course of the rest of the season, just because Wander Franco is such a big talent, and that could be annoying. It's 100% going to be annoying, and you just know it. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's been kind of cool that like neither the Rays or the Red Sox have really run away with this, while the Yankees have kind of like, you know, bumbled or stumbled and bumbled. Yeah. Kind of glad to let them kind of just go back and forth fighting for first for a little bit, just until hopefully the Yankees get their act together and at least be in contention up there. (laughs) Yeah, and the Yankees will have a great opportunity to get a little bit closer this week. They'll play the Royals for a few games, and, you know, the Royals aren't like an actively terrible team, but they're a worse team than the Blue Jays, who the Yankees just handled pretty easily on the road. And they're going to be playing the Royals at home. So goal, sweep them, but at least take two out of three, because this is not a team that you should lose series to. No, oh, 100%. And then especially if you're, they're going into Fenway after that, and like mm-hmm. that's obviously not going to be easy, <laughs> to say the least. Oh, what do you mean? Those are always such a breeze. 
Yeah. But hey, you know, maybe they'll go into Fenway and just sweep the Red Sox. That'll that that's a thing that can happen technically. Look at us being optimistic. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's a thing that can happen technically is probably the nicest thing I've said about the in the month of June. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so. This definitely won't all end in tears. <laughs> It just might end up in tears. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, anytime that you are planning a weekend around Fenway Park, being like, I feel good about this, is that's when the weird dimensions of that place will screw you. <laughs> right. <laughs> the fact that the Yankees at least are playing better, giving us some more optimism. But we do have to talk a little bit about the sticky stuff update that we got during the past week, which is that the uh, the new guidelines were released that Major League Baseball will be paying a much closer eye on pitchers using foreign substances on the baseball. They will have multiple checks going on from umpires on pitchers beginning this week. And 10-day suspensions could be enforced for any pitchers found using foreign substances. And it's also worth noting that these suspensions will come with a voided roster spot, essentially. So if a pitcher gets suspended, the team will have to play a man down for 10 days. And I think that's the biggest deterrence of anything. Because it's one thing to, you know, lose a pitcher for 10 days, Granted, like if it's like a Garrett Cole, yeah, that's going to make a difference. But for most guys, I'll just be like, that's a little annoying. But managers and GMs love that extra roster spot so much that anytime someone's got with a foreign substance, that's really going to be viewed as like letting the team down. Yeah. So I'm curious to see like how that all plays out. Like, obviously, you know, you don't want to let the team down with just one player. But like, I know that if a position player is caught doctoring the ball for a pitcher, like they can both be ejected and both be suspended. So in that situation, I'm curious, is it still, do they have to play like two roster spots short or just one? Like, is it a 24 or 25 man roster at that point? That to me is unclear. I think it's possible that you would lose both those spots. But That's what I'm thinking too. Because I feel and, like you would have to wrong. go, you'd have to lose like a whole bunch of players for like MLB to be like, okay, fine. You can have like, I don't know, 20 or something. Right. <laughs> We saw you guys in the bullpen playing patty cake with the spider tech. <laughs> so you're all suspended. There's no Yankees this for 10 days. Yeah. Which, you know, if you talked to me two weeks ago, I'd kind of be on board. Like, okay. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. You know what? You know what, Rob Manfred? You got this one right. Yeah. But yeah, no, obviously the suspension while still getting paid or whatever, that's not going to do much to deter players especially with like you know the fact that they're still getting paid so they're not putting them their their family their bills or anything at jeopardy in that regard it's really just about like you know how the team is going to see them and all that and the fact that they're going to cause the team if like something were to happen that somebody gets ejected or suspended you're going to play with the man short you know that the team is not really going to try and find ways to encourage or support sticky substances in that situation It'd be one thing if they you know all right fine you know Nestor Cortez is going to be suspended for 10 days and now we could just bring somebody else up to, you know, take his spot. Then it's probably like, yeah, whatever. But yeah, the thing the as you mentioned, the voided roster spot is going to be the biggest thing. Although the other thing I'm curious about is like, let's just say somebody gets caught and the team just was not having that at all. Can they just cut the player and get the roster spot back? I don't think so. Just because you have to sort of still assess that as like a team penalty sort of thing. You know? Right. So it would be funny though. <laughs> like, you know what? We're done with you. It's like, you know, get out of here. Get out of here. <laughs> But it was good to see Garrett Cole, like, still be very, very good, even without the quote-unquote sticky stuff. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. Obviously. It was good to see in his last start, you know, his RPMs were way down from what was at the beginning of the season. And, you know, it's been up and down basically since the beginning of June, basically, I think, as he's tried to adjust with different substances and trying to make sure that 
he can still be, you know, Garrett Cole. And Shocker, he still can be Garrett Cole because he's a damn good pitcher and always has been. It's just the degree of dominance, I think, to what he can actually do on the mound. Yeah, and he, I think, later on talked about how he's just trying to play by the rules and all that. So, like, he's pretty much saying, like, yeah, no shit, I was using this thing. So he's not even, he's not coming out and denying it, which I do respect. Like, instead of just being like, oh, no, I didn't do this. What are you talking about? But, you know, he's obviously doing his best to kind of uh, outwardly just say, like, yeah, no shit, I was doing this. But it was still good to just see him kind of take a little bit of ownership of it and still just show that he's still very, very, very good. But honestly the most exciting thing for me from his start this week was not the fact that he was still very good because I was not expecting anything less I still think he's obviously a very good pitcher and lo and behold he is what I was very excited to see was Gary Sanchez caught him for a couple innings yeah it turns out you know Gary Sanchez could catch and the world did not end (laughs) (laughs) the first time Gary had caught him since opening day and that was such a big moment too for Gary because he came in to pinch hit for Higashioka and hit a big home run to end up helping the Yankees win that game and you know we caught Garrett Cole in the seventh and eighth and everything went fine yeah look at that Gary Sanchez can catch Garrett Cole and the world will not implode who would have thought (laughs) because like part of me was like genuinely terrified because that like that I did watch because I was just like I don't know why, but I was so invested into this. I was like, all right, this has to go well. This has to go well. This has to go well. I've been talking about this for a few weeks. Prove me right. The takes, if Cole had lost the lead with Gary catching, would have been insufferable. So bullet dodged. (laughs) Yeah. Like, again, we're still talking about just two innings and, you know, small sample size. But obviously, if like, let's just say Cole had allowed a couple more runs and took the loss or whatever, that's exactly what we'd say. I mean, saying like, all right, who gives a shit? It's only two innings. But yeah, on the other, on the flip side, I'm 100% being like, yeah, this was awesome. This was important. We got it. Even if it was just two innings. <laughs> yeah. It's more just like a proof of concept than anything else. Right. Than celebrating it as like some major triumph, I think, which is what we're trying to get at. That like, yeah, right. Garrett can catch Cole in late situations and it'll be fine. You can even use them in occasional starts. You don't need to start Hagee. I know that's probably Cole's preference, but crunch time, I'd rather see Gary Cash and Cole with the, with the yeah, season that's, line. That's really what it comes down to is just like knowing that you can put Gary Sanchez in there to pinch hit for Higashioka when Higgy got the start just and knowing you don't have to take out Garrett Cole because, you know, he just really hates catching. The, uh, he really hates having Gary catch him. And then, like you mentioned, like, you know, as the season winds down, like towards the end of it, if the Yankees are in the hunt or whatever, I really don't want to take any chances. And, you know, I'd rather see Gary Sanchez catch Cole a couple times just so, you know, you have his bat in there. And especially if it's like a wild card game or playoff game, whatever it is, I really don't want to see Higashioka starting, but I do still feel like that would happen. Nice to know you have the option, especially if Higgy gets hurt, then what are you going to do? Yeah, no, I think. Honestly, at this point, Higashioka is going to catch Garrett Cole in any play, any possible playoff situation. And we just have to sort of accept that's what's going to happen. Happened with Jose Molina and Adrian Burnett way back when the Yankees had Posada too. So the Yankees are probably not deviating from that strategy unless Higgy gets hurt. So but. Right. But I'm just happy to know that, like, you know, there is at least the option of if it's like fifth or sixth inning and there's an opportunity for Higashioka to drive in some runs, you probably can run with Gary the pinch hit there. Like, yeah, all right. Higgy cut the bulk of Cole's start. Let Gary kind of finish it off and let him get the at-bat here. Hopefully he can drive in some runs. Yeah. It was just gives them a little bit more flexibility than just, oh no, Gary cannot be catching while Gary Cole's on the mound. 
Right. Well, one other thing I do want to add out to the sticky stuff conversation, just that the announcement of these suspensions, we should also acknowledge, could also be more of scare tactic than MLB wishing to actively enforce this. I think they're hoping that having all these checks go on and having this 10-day suspension hang over people's heads, the idea is that no one will want to really push the envelope a little bit and no one will really have to get suspended beyond like a handful of people. I think that's the goal. And that's probably not the worst way to approach this either. No, yeah, 100%. Especially because, like, going back and punishing people for what they did in the past at this point for something like this, I just don't think it's realistic to do that the right way. So to kind of just move forward and just, hey, we know this has been going on. Let's just try and discourage it. I still think it's a little weird to kind of do that midseason. And I know, like, some of the pitchers have come out and said, like, that's their biggest issue. It's not, like, not even so much that their MLB is doing this. It's just the timing of it. You could have just probably made some announcement about it. And then, like, as far as, like, suspensions or, like, taking a hard line on it could have happened in the offseason. But whatever. Again, if this is the approach they're going to take, I think they did it the right way. Yeah. And... The other factor is like, I guess you could argue that too. And I understand the players' frustrations in that regard too, but the pitching was just getting really so absurd what they were doing the first two and a half months of the season that I don't blame MLB for being like, okay, we need to do something about this. So maybe this is a little bit hard line. I can understand like Garrett Cole's frustration too with them, like not just taking away like spider tack, that's fine. And then also taking sunscreen mixtures, of rosin and all this other stuff that pitchers have been using for years, taking that away too. But I also understand that's hard to really draw the line in enforcement and expecting umpires to know, okay, this is just like a sunscreen mix. This is some spider tack. You know, we don't exactly need to trust Joe West with amateur chemistry set out there. <laughs> Although that would yeah, be funny. The one, thing, the one thing about that is like, they're not banning sunscreen on its own. And I feel like that's important to remember because I've seen a few people like, oh my God, this is how the pitchers are going to get like skin cancer. Like that, that's not what MLB is saying here. They're talking about the specific combination with the rosin to doctor the ball. Yeah. And obviously it's going to be on the umpire's discretion. So it's going to be very, very interesting to see how at least that part of it plays out with the sunscreen rosin comb. Because, you know, it could just be like, oh, I had it here. It just happened to get on the ball. I wasn't trying to do anything, whatever the hell that is. But MLB is not outright banning sunscreen. They're, I'm sure they are still okay with their their pitchers wearing sunscreen, especially because, like, I know pitchers don't really love to wear, like, long sleeves. I think a few of them have mentioned how it kind of gets in the way. So, like, even in, like, the, the cold weather, you'll sometimes see pitchers without the long sleeve just because, like, they're not used to it. They don't like it. So I don't think that's really, like, an alternative. But I don't think you need an alternative because, again, MLB is not advocating for pitchers to get cancer. Yeah, just <laughs> now they'll, they'll still be able to wear them in these like day games and even like early night games where the sun's still out. I think they'll be fine with that, but it's more just like if you're playing with the roof closed and it's raining or whatever. You don't need sunscreen. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like if you're actually using it to protect your skin, MLB has no issue with this. Again, I don't have this on like specific authority. I've not spoken to Rob Manfred about this, but I can just assume that they're okay with you using sunscreen, normal sunscreen needed situation. <laughs> going to subpoena your slack dms with him now yes (laughs) okay well take a short break and we'll be right back i'm alex rodriguez and i'm jason kelly from bloomberg this is the deal each week you're here in conversation with business icons this show will explore deal making across sports media and entertainment that is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. 
And we're back. I guess we'll briefly talk about some roster updates before we get into our Meet a Baby Bomber and Yankee Meet of the Week. We should have Luke Voigt back in the Yankees lineup today. The Yankees sent down Chris Gittens after Sunday's game. And seems like Voigt will be ready to jump back in the lineup after his rehab assignment with the Somerset Patriots. And he had homered in his last couple games there. So definitely good signs that prime slugging Luke is back. As long as he's actually healthy again, unlike the first return, I think things will go a lot better at first base. Yeah, fingers crossed. I mean, it was cool to see Chris Gittins get his first hit, his first home run and all that. And it was just excited to see him not be Mike Ford, who I'm sure who we'll get to in a second. But I've very much missed Luke Voigt and I still have many, many Yankees fans and it'll be good to see him back. Yeah, and I think the biggest benefit is that Voigt being back in the regular lineup pushes DJ LeMahieu back to second base and keeps Rugnet Odor's butt locked to the bench for hopefully most situations. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I'm sure he'll find his way in and be gritty or something. <laughs> Look, he's left-handed doesn't matter if he's not good. He's left-handed, so that means you have to play him. Yeah, and occasionally bat him third, which I know that that was just a few times, but still. like, If it happened more than zero times, it happened too many times. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) The other product of this whole equation is that Mike Ford was traded to the Rays, which is like, okay, sure, I guess. Tampa really wanted him. He probably would have ended up there regardless, but I really hope he doesn't hit like an annoying home run later in the season. Yes, but have you considered that they traded him for $100,000 and now they can buy two Fords? Ooh. Yay. No, yeah, I mean, again, it'll definitely be annoying if at some point, like, Mike Ford comes up in a late-game situation and hits, like, a, a home run to give the, uh, the Rays the lead or anything that's, you know, beneficial for the Rays. But also, I just, I, I don't care. I'm just happy he's not, I don't have to worry about him hurting the Yankees as a Yankee more. Like, I'll take the the fear of Mike Ford heroics 19 times a year than the fear of Mike Ford batting for the Yankees 160 times a year. Yeah. Well, either way, he's gone. He probably won't end up making a difference. But anyway, we are officially separating ourselves from the Mike Ford era. Thanks for 2019. No thanks for anything else. Right. The only other thing, the news of Luis Severino's groin injury had, I believe, broken the last time that we recorded. But now we know how long he'll be out. His rehab basically has been pushed back a month from Tommy John surgery because of this uh, groin injury. So now we might not see him until like August, which whatever, it's annoying. But this is just what we have to deal with. And it wasn't an elbow setback, at least. He's right on time for trade deadline acquisition time. Yeah, we're getting Luis Severino in a trade for nothing. So really, we don't need to get anyone. You're 100% going to see the quote like, I got the best starting pitcher available out there. It was Luis Severino. As Max Scherzer gets traded to like the White Sox or something. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, we talked about this in the offseason when, you know, you could have had Corey Kluber, Jamison Tyone, and Masahiro Tanaka, you can you, you can try to get Max Scherzer too, please. It's not that I don't want to see Sevi up. I love Sevi. I'm very, very excited to see him return. I don't want to depend on Sevi. Yeah, this is the thing that we had been getting at. Like, we liked the Tyone and Kluber signings on the surface. And we liked the idea of, like, what Sevi could potentially bring in in a return. But that's not what you can bank on. And I think Cashman is still going to at least be putting some fuel in the fire to look out at the deadline for possible pitching or position player help but until he gets like creative with his, the luxury tax situation i think that's what he's gonna have to do <laughs> yeah i mean and uh brian cashman spoke to the media was it, that was this week right yeah 
Yeah. Like after we recorded last week and he didn't really say much of anything, but he also did a little bit, say a little bit more than he usually does. So he did kind of imply that the Yankees might be looking to buy at the deadline and not just kind of sit back and all that. But he wasn't really like, oh, my God, yeah, we're going to do whatever it takes. It's just it was more like I'm going to try and do whatever it takes. But it's then it's up to ownership who has always given us the opportunity to do whatever it takes and it was like all right this you're not really saying much you're saying a little bit more than you usually do so i'm like ever so slightly cautiously optimistic that they might you know actually do something worthy or noteworthy but at the same time i'm not really expecting them to kind of go out all out (laughs) yeah we will return more to the trade deadline worries in july for sure (laughs) yeah (laughs) i'm sure he was just hoping like oh let me just mention this now and then like hopefully everyone will forget about it (laughs) Yeah, I have no idea what really to expect, but I guess we will assess the Yankees as we get closer. And hey, read Pinstripe Alley's upcoming trade deadline series, because we'll have a whole bunch of stuff coming up on uh, trade partners, trade targets, all the goods. So yeah. And in the meantime, let's move on to the meet a baby bomber segment. Sounds good. All right. Who are we meeting for you this week? So this week we're meeting Hoi Jun Park. Uh, Park is a shortstop in Scranton right now where he's just kind of lighting up the league and hitting really, really well. But so Park was signed out of Korea in uh, 2014 for $1.2 million. And I think, I believe you wrote the uh, Pinstripe Valley prospect profile on him this year, like earlier before the season started. I did. And you mentioned that like, you know, he was like one of the oldest players in his class, but all that really amounted to was that he didn't need much time, like much seasoning in rookie ball. So he's 2015, like he played the 19 games in the rookie league, but then between 2016 and 2017, he split time between uh, low A Charleston and high A Tampa back when these aligned and teams specifically were a thing then 2018 was really kind of when he got going with uh, Tampa where he had a WRC plus over 120 so 2019 he started the season double a Trenton at the time where again he had another solid season with the bat but then pandemic happened and kind of halted his progress temporarily so he started this year off in double a as well except instead of obviously in Trenton he was in Somerset because of just the realignment and all that And he wasn't really doing much, but then he got promoted and he spent the last 25 games with Triple A Scranton. And like I mentioned before, he just crushed the ball. In 25 games, he has a slash line of 360, 509, 663, good for like a WRC plus of 208. That includes like six doubles, one triple, six home runs. So he's obviously not just hitting singles. He's actually hitting the ball, hitting for power, getting on base and all that. And it was interesting because like coming into the season, like I think Fangrass had an article where I think which you also referenced your profile that where they were just kind of noting that he had like average contact uh, patients profile and like 45 raw power. So he would like realistically be like a bench player one day, but nothing really too exciting or nothing really too much to kind of look forward to. But obviously this could just be like a fun hot streak he's on, but it's certainly been fun and exciting. And even though I think realistically, like his quote unquote timeline would still be 2022 to hit the majors. If he's still hitting like this in AAA and like an injury happens and, you know, there's a need for a middle infielder, as long as he's still hitting this way, I mean, I could see the Yankees potentially giving him a shot because let's be honest, like we talked about Rugnet Odor a little bit before, but Cashman's not going to cut his uh, $0 cap hit uh, superstar in that regard. Heaven forbid. So, you- <laughs> So if, you know, there's some sort of injury, anything like that, then I think Park can force the Yankees hand a little bit. So it'll be interesting to see, I think, how that happens. But if he still has a WRC plus over 200, I mean, there's no way you don't really give him a shot if you need if you need a middle infielder. 
But yeah, it could be one of those things where, like Chris Gittins, he sort of forces his way into the conversation, even though he didn't necessarily expect that to be the case. Yeah, before the season, Toy Dream Park was considered just like this guy that maybe he could come up and be a bench piece at some point in his major league career, not necessarily 2021. But it's very possible that, I mean, we don't want an injury to happen to Gio or Glaber, God no, or anything like that. <laughs> but <laughs> if anything like that were to happen, then I think the call would be to give Hoijun Park a chance, given how much he's been crushing the ball in AAA. And yeah, I do think that a lot of what's been going on the past few weeks is just a really good hot streak. It's been so hot that some AAA pitchers have just stopped pitching to him, but he still managed to hit like a walk-off home run on Sunday. So he's just in the middle of a really good run. I don't know if we'll keep it going for the next few weeks, but hey, if he's still doing this at the end of July, there's no harm in seeing what he could do in the majors. He's not ancient either. I mean, 25 isn't exactly young for a prospect, but it's not Methuselah either. So he might still get a shot. Yeah. And if we're so much in love with like Rugnado Dora being in the lineup because he's a lefty, guess what? Hoijin Park's also a lefty. He also <gasps> hits lefty. So there's a thing. <laughs> Exciting. But it my, is funny my... how the Yankees 2014 international free agent class was really big talked about they spent a ton of money because they had sort of followed the strategy of other some other teams in the previous years going big on the ifa class and then taking some penalties the next couple of years and pretty much none of those guys have worked out no. and it's a bummer from a scouting perspective and i suppose you could blame them for that but it's also just really hard to scout these like 16 year olds <laughs> and even younger yeah. and especially like in the international market it becomes a little bit even tougher too so and I think at the time in 2014, we were probably all like, oh my God, the Yankees are you know, making a lot of moves and going all in in this market. That's crazy. That's awesome. So hindsight. Yeah. And hey, they did end up eventually with another year. They ended up with Jason Dominguez after forking over a whole bunch of money. So, you know, right. just didn't get the right Dominguez type in that class. It happens. <laughs> my, my last thing about Park will just be that I saw that recently, like beginning of the month that uh, Scranton played buffalo in trenton because since obviously the blue jays are playing their home games in buffalo buffalo needed a home stadium so they found the trenton thunder that's where they're playing their home games park was uh reunited with our favorite bat dog rookie and i just want to say i miss him i miss him being a yankees affiliate <sighs> i miss ricky too ricky's the best yes you can't I'm even like... claim him as a yankee anymore now he's just yankees legend or something <laughs> Yankees like, legend. He deserves he deserves to be so much better than just Yankees legend. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Well, my meet a baby bomber is going into a guy who is only technically a baby bomber. He was once a real baby bomber. Now he's just sort of like a baby bomber by default. This is Nick Goody, who is a reliever for AAA Scranton. Goody is 29, and he started his professional career with the Yankees, but he departed for greener pastures. Now he's back, so hooray. Goody is originally from Orlando, Florida. The Yankees were on Goody early. They selected him in the 22nd round of the 2011 draft out of the State College of Florida, where he had a 1.29 ERA and was a JUCO All-American. Goody decided to go back to school to try to increase his, his draft stock. He transferred to LSU, became their closer in a year when they won the SEC. So he really helped himself in that regard. And he signed this time in the sixth round of the 2012 draft, also with the Yankees. He had Tommy John surgery in 2013, which is an immediate setback, but still, like many 
many good college relievers tend to do. He ended up moving through the system quickly, and he ended up making the majors in 2015. That year, he had a 1.59 ERA and 10.27 whip and a 12.1 K per nine between Trenton and Scranton. And he made his MLB debut with the Yankees on July 30th. He struck out the first batter he faced, which was his now catcher, Robinson Trinos, in his first at bat against the Rangers. Goody was only fine during his first professional Yankees stint at the, at the major league level. We saw a decent amount of him between 2015 and 16. He pitched in 34 games during those seasons with a 4.67 ERA, which is a 93 ERA plus, and a much more hittable 1471 whip. So he was not really good enough to hang around to keep his roster spot. The Yankees designated him for assignments in the 2016-17 offseason and traded him to Cleveland. Now, he ended up having a pretty good year in 2017. He had a 2.80 ERA and 1079 whip in 56 games. Now was the year in actually which Cleveland won the American League Central, but nothing much came of that. And then in 2018, he had bone spurs that pushed him out of the bullpen mix for the most part. He was pretty ineffective, spent a lot of time on the shelf. Then he came back in 2019. He was better, but his peripheral numbers weren't quite as good. So Cleveland let him go on waivers to the Rangers for 2020, and he got beat up pretty badly there. So now he's back in the Yankees organization at the AAA level, and he's been pretty good, honestly, in 17 and two-thirds innings for Scranton this year. He's a 2.55 ERA and a 14.8 K per nine. So he doesn't exactly need to come up or anything. If any normal contributor goes down, like a maybe a Licky has an injury, Wandy Peralta an injury, the Yankees might call him up to give him another try. However, I would need to caution that the downside is that the numbers are good. He doesn't exactly let up a radar gun anymore. He sits kind of low 90s, and he's still a fly ball pitcher, and that's not really a good recipe for Yankee Stadium. So if he does end up coming to the majors again, I wouldn't get my hopes up. But hey, Nick Goody, he was a baby bomber, is a baby bomber again. Probably won't be too irrelevant, but hey, it's all goody as his Twitter handle stands. That was baddie. Yeah, that was baddie. But hey, I'm not the <laughs> one who made the Twitter handle. That's him. That's fair. It's yeah. still baddie. <laughs> he also appears to be an espresso junkie because he posted an Instagram video of him making some espresso with some portable machine and staring uncomfortably directly into the camera with his mustache. <laughs> so yeah, take that for what you will. <laughs> sure. Why not, Nick Goody? Yeah. Yeah, I didn't realize that he spent like time with like Cleveland and Texas. I like I know that I remember when he was uh, with the Yankees in like 2015-2016 and then I just kind of assumed he just like disappeared and just nobody ever remembered him. But then apparently he pitched like 56 games out of the Cleveland bullpen in 2017 and had an ERA plus of 164. So, yeah, goody for you. Yeah, he found some major league time elsewhere, so good for him for accruing that service time anyway, but yeah. <laughs> make them make them bucks. Yeah. <laughs> So he's just back trolling around AAA. Anyway, Nick Goody is not a terribly interesting dude. So we'll move on from him to the Yankee and Mitre of the week. Yay. It's all Goody. All right. Who's your Yankee of the week? So my Yankee of the week is one Gary Sanchez. Yeah, this is a tough decision. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, sometimes I'm like happy I get to go first because I get to get take the easy ones. Yeah. <laughs> like, ah, you have to work for a nap time back up. But uh, no, Gary's obviously had a very good week. He's uh, hit 389, 450, 1056. So his OPS is 1506 this week where he had three home runs. 
Uh, obviously, we talked about that, the game where he came in, uh, pinch hit for Higashioka, hit the big home run that helped the Yankees win the game. You know, he caught Garrett Cole and the world didn't catch on fire. He also was responsible for the uh, the two runs in uh, the Sunday's, like the Father's Day game against the o- Oakland A's. And Gary Sanchez has officially cracked his way into the 2021 Yankees top 12 b- baseball reference on war leaderboard at number 12. But still, he's on there now. Hell yeah. As, a, as somebody who's been tracking this all season and not really the sharpest with memory, I believe this is the first time I'm seeing him on here. So good for you. <laughs> yeah, it's taken a little bit, but Gary finally got on a good hot run in the past few weeks, really, to get yeah. back into form. He's really taken back that catcher's job from Higashioka. Yeah, and like obviously, like the Yankees haven't made an announcement like, oh, Gary Sanchez is the starting catcher again or whatever, but you don't really need to come out and do anything about that. Just keep starting him, let him play, let his play speak for itself and then just go from there obviously like we expected Higashioka to regress with more playing time just overexposure and whatever and that's obviously happened so it's just nice that Gary Sanchez has kind of come to life and been pretty steady for the last few weeks not just it's not just this past week where he's been very good it's been like the, pretty much the whole month at least yeah and some people are still going to fixate on the batting average because it's only 237 but when you look at it as a whole it's 237 344 80 and that's a 127 OPS plus, which is all of a sudden third best on the Yankees behind only Judge and Stan. So that's the kind yeah. of hitter that Gary can be at his best. And he's on a great run right now. So hopefully he just keeps it going. Yeah. And I don't remember if I mentioned this or not, but he had his WRC plus for the last week was 295. Like, that's just incredible. <laughs> it is what you want. It is exactly what you want. Indeed. Yeah. He has had some big hits in the past week, too. It's not just been like the you know garbage time home runs that some fans like to make fun of. He's had some big late home runs. He got a big late double the other day. He's been taking yeah. care of business. And I know and he, that he will hit a cold streak again at some point, and it's going to be a bummer. But at least I have like a little bit more confidence. And probably he'll have a little bit more confidence that like, yeah, I can work out of it, too. Because I know I do remember hearing that one of the big problems with his season last year, which, you know, again, was shortened because of the pandemic. Once he fell into a hole, he tried to worked a little bit too hard to get himself out of the hole and that only made it worse and then all of a sudden the season was over so yeah and like again anytime you can come in and pinch hit and actually hit a home run that's just always a good sign of like all right you're kind of locked in or you're feeling good about yourself right now because we've talked about i'm not we but people have talked about how like pinch hitting is one of the hardest things to do just because you know you're kind of sitting on the bench and you're not really like there playing the whole time you just kind of ask like hey why don't you go in and hit this guy throwing 100 miles an hour or whatever he's throwing so that's always a good thing yeah like stan has always been a tremendous hitter but in the rare instances in which he's been called on to be a pinch hitter he's never been good at it it's 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 a very yeah. hard craft to master and hopefully right. gary just doesn't have to do it too much he's just starting but in these higashioka starts he might end up with some big pinch hitting opportunities so it's Absolutely. good to see if he can do it yeah cool so who's your yankee of the week well i had written gary sanchez down with the knowledge that you were almost certainly going to take him so i'm glad i had it back <laughs> back up ready i'm picking geo urshela he didn't hit quite as well as Gary, of course, in the past week. But as we've already talked about on this podcast, he had some terrific defense. He's still at a 903 OPS. And I think his Saturday game deserves to be called out in particular because uh, he splintered his bat into his eye. He stayed in the game because they were able to flush out the, the chips, which is horrifying for me to even consider. And then he ended up having a big game and he had a big go-ahead homer in the eighth too so i can only admire that sort of stuff from geo <laughs> wait what i this is the first I, I like i mentioned i was away this weekend so i did not see this weekend's games at all i did not know that any of that had happened i knew about the home run like i saw that but i did not hear about 
oh, we have to flush out your eyes. That's not a thing. Yeah, in like the second inning, I think, he had hit ground into a double play, and it was only really a double play because he couldn't really run much to first base because he had broken his bat and it splintered into his eye. Okay, as uh, you know, as is something that happens to people. Yeah, just total freak thing. And I remember I was about to leave the, the house to run an errand at that point. I'm like, oh God, am I going to have to like write about this? But fortunately, he was able to go right back out on the field after kind of just a short between innings thing. And they were able to get the, the splinters out, which I don't even want to think about. And he hit a big home run later. So congrats on being a superhuman, Geo. Yes. Ridiculous. Congrats on being the coolest person on the Yankees, as noted by us, the cool experts earlier in the podcast. Bingo. <laughs> All right. Who's your Mitre of the Week? So my Mitre of the Week is pretty kind of deserving for Mitre of the Week, I think, for the most part. But also I'm trying to, you know, get something going at the same time. So my Mitre of the Week is Aaron Judge. It's, it's been a while since somebody said something stupid about him on a podcast. So, you know, Gonna hang kinda, him on. I, guess, <laughs> I guess he kind of fell back into a hole. He's got no motivation that I tell you, <laughs> but no, I mean, this week obviously has not been uh, the, the best for him. It's not like, you know, he went completely hitless, but over the last uh, week, he's only hit like 200, 259, 200 good for a WRC plus of 33. He's gotten basically five hits, all of which were singles, one RBI and a grand total of 14 strikeouts in six games. It's again, I'm not, I've never really been one to care too much about strikeouts. I've been, they're going to happen and to me on outs and out, whatever. And I'd rather you strike out than hit one on the ground and to get two outs. I've mentioned that before, but 14 in a week is just not really good. <laughs> yeah, I think we may be seeing some side effects. I remember he missed the previous Sunday's game against the Phillies with back spasms. And right you know, he might just be working with his way through that. And we've seen even earlier this season, Judge have some pretty bad strikeout streaks in the middle of a week. And what was it the seven in a row? Yeah. And he managed to work his way out of it. So I'm not, and you're not either particularly worried about Judge long term. Oh, no, not at all. He just, it's just <laughs> a bad week. He'll work his way through it and it'll be fine. Again, I could have easily found somebody else, but somebody needed to say something stupid about him on a podcast. So here it is. Yeah. We need to anger him and let's see <laughs> if he takes care of business against the Royals. That'd be fun. Yep. All right. My Mitre of the week is going to be one of the other cool candidates that we talked about who did not have a cool week. Glaber Torres. He's fallen into a bit of a slump again. He's one for 20 in the past week, just not really been hitting much at all. So if you're hitting that poorly, then yeah, that's kind of an auto Mitre of the week thing. I had briefly considered giving it to Wandy Peralta because he'd given up a three run home run to Tony Kemp of all dudes to lead to the Yankees one loss in the past week. And that was annoying, but this is a multi-game thing for Glaber that I think we need to spotlight a little bit. I'm still a little concerned that Glaber's extra base power has not really showed up this year, but he's gotta at least hit a little bit better if he's not getting the extra bases to do better than 050. <laughs> yeah, I mean cuz uh, we talked about when he came back from the the covid list and you know he'd been hitting well like obviously the power was still kind of missing but he was still at least hitting and just getting on base and doing his thing so it was still good and encouraging at least like all right fine the power's gone but you're not just completely lost at the plate or doing nothing. So there's still some value to what he's bringing, uh, what he's bringing. I'm curious though, because I know he had left the game uh, this week uh, with the uh, back tightness or whatever. So I wonder if he's also dealing with some sort of back naggingness or whatever you want to call it, where that's kind of been bothering him. That Hopefully, could be it too. 
hopefully nothing too serious for either him or Judge, but it'd be nice to see both of them get get it going hopefully this week coming up, especially with, like, you know, we've talked about, obviously, they're going to play the Royals first, but then they have a big series in Fenway, so. Right, and it's a good sign of the offense as a whole for the past week that they've had these two big, for the most part, gaps in the lineup. I know, I know the Judge had a big late hit the other day but again as you talk right. about they've mostly just been singles but they've been able to work around these sort of voids in the lineup to still put up some pretty good numbers so that's yeah. a difference of the yankees that we saw earlier on in 2021 and where the offense is at now and hopefully they just keep it rolling right and like opposing teams limit aaron judge to singles they don't care what damage he does with it right <laughs> they're like okay that's it that's good we'll take it <laughs> yeah okay well i think we can wrap it up unless you have anything else think that's it cool now we ran a little long this week but hey it's more fun to talk about the yankees when they're doing well than when they're you know plodding along and looking like ass so yeah i can talk about the yankees when they're doing well it's hard to it's hard to like all right yeah well they need to hit again more Mm -hmm. i guess something yeah jay bruce why are you here i I, I keep forgetting that that was just this year yeah i hope he's enjoying his retirement (laughs) right anyway so that'll do it for us on the Pinstripe Alley podcast. You can follow Pinstripe Alley on Twitter at Pinstripe Alley. You can follow me on Twitter at Mearns PSA. Where are you on Twitter this week? This week I am at Trenton Thunder. Give us back, rookie! <laughs> Just yelling at Trenton Thunder. <laughs> yes. Coach told me to yell rookie. at you. Just give us back, rookie. Yeah. Oh, well, Lord. at least you can still see rookie if you want to hang out, go watch him maybe Scranton play Trenton at some point. <laughs> yeah, Trenton Buffalo, have... the weird hybrid. <laughs> The Trentalo. Yeah. The Thunderloaf. Well, we should probably. <laughs> oh, no. We want to keep going, do we? No. <laughs> we need to stop. <laughs> On that note, we hope you have a good week. Hopefully, the Yankees will follow suit. Take care. Goodbye. Yeah.